The Automotive News Europe podcast is brought to you by Capgemini, a global leader in technology and digital transformation. Visit us online at www.capgemini.com and learn how Capgemini can help you get the future you want. Hello and welcome to the Automotive News Europe podcast for December 2nd, 2021. I'm your host, Doug Bolduck, Managing Editor at a e Thanks so much for joining us today. Volkswagen executive and author Nari Kale has a passion for mobility, particularly solutions that are inclusive, affordable, and help improve lives. She covers those topics in her new book, Mobility on the Move which she wrote in her limited free time, given that she is the head of strategic programs at Volkswagen Group's software arm, Carriad. We caught up with Kale to ask her which mobility solutions are poised to provide long-term, wide-ranging benefits, and to find out how her day job inspired her to write a book. Hi, Nari. Thanks so much for joining us today for the Automotive News Europe podcast. Thank you so much, Doug. It's an honor to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. So happy you could join us. And I'd like to get started with something that's near and dear to your heart, which is to talk about your book. What compelled you to write your book, Mobility on the Move? Yeah, that's an excellent question, Doug. Normally, I am working as a manager manager at the Volkswagen Group, and therefore, it's not that I'm having overly a lot of free time uh, to fill with, but I am having a deep passion for the topic of sustainability and mobility. And looking back at the last few years, I was thrilled to really see how much attention sustainability is getting in the automotive and the mobility sector. And it's becoming a very important essence of almost every strategy when you look out there. But there's one problem, and that was really bothering me a lot, which is... um, If you look at sustainability, you have three aspects. So one is ecological sustainability, then you have the social and economical sustainability. And when I looked at the public debates or at the strategies of the corporations or other companies, it always felt as if we were only focusing on the ecological side of it. And while this is probably the most important part, uh, since, of course, it is all of our responsibility to do as much as we can for climate actions, I really felt that the other two sides were being forgotten. And it was really an issue to me to show that there are two other important aspects of sustainability and that there's already a lot going on, that there are a lot of amazing people who are working towards a more social, a more just mobility for all of us, and that there are a lot of great social innovations out there in the mobility sector. And that was the reason why I thought, okay, maybe I can write a little bit about the examples, speak to the people, and also state some of the really pressing questions that still need to get some answers. And that was the reason why I yeah, sat down at my table at uh, night time, most of the times at the weekends in my free time to write this book. Along this journey, I'm sure you had some amazing conversations with some amazing people. Tell me a little bit about what were the things that you learned during this journey? 
Well, I learned a lot, Doug, I have to say. Um, if you look at mobility, first of all, what I learned is that a lot of people are taking mobility as something quite static. So what do I mean? They have their routines regarding mobility and a lot of times they don't really think about it. And the interesting thing now, and um, I'm really happy to hear this form of feedback is that people are now starting to think. I mean, mobility has a huge impact on our lives. If you think about it, it's crazy. If you sometimes look for an apartment just because it is very close to a specific train station or even buying a house because it is really close to the autobahn or whatever. So mobility has really so much more impact on our lives. Um, if you think about long distance relationships, they wouldn't be working without transport and mobility options. Um, so I think it has a lot of more impact than we are aware a lot of times. And the other thing is, which I find really fascinating, and I really hope that I can show that to other people as well as the mobility sector at the moment, at least to me personally, is one of the most exciting industries at the moment because it is completely being disrupted. It is completely being in change. There are new players coming into the market who are really challenging the OEMs so far. Um, and therefore, a lot of people are also questioning their routines, um, the way that they use mobility. And I think these are really exciting times that we are right now in because there's so much being on the move and being in, in change. What are the biggest mobility mistakes at the moment? And what do you think are the solutions to those issues? Yeah, that's an excellent question, I have to say. I think looking at mobility and where we are standing right now, I would see two mistakes or at least two larger challenges that are quite important to me. The first one is I'm truly convinced that mobility, at least uh, future mobility, needs to be affordable to everyone because mobility is such a topic of general interest. It's almost a basic provision uh, to all of us. So it cannot be that we are leaving out a huge sector of our population if they're not being able to afford mobility as they would have to. Um, and if you look at the statistics and the data on average, and that I think that is quite painful to see is low income households are spending a particularly high share of their household income on mobility. And therefore, if mobility prices are rising, it hits them even more. And I think um, having this, yeah, this injustice basically in mind, we really need to take care of that and make sure that new forms of mobility and especially if you think about autonomous driving which will probably be coming more and more next year and after um, needs to be affordable to everyone which means and you were asking about possible about possible solutions as well that we also need to think about these target groups as i would say from an economic point of view that we need to think about new forms of business models which may also be some form of social business models to really make sure that everyone has the same access towards mobility so that is the one risk that i'm really seeing the second point is that the shift towards mobility needs to really take into account the needs of all of us 
And so far, at least I have the feeling that we are only targeting a yeah, typical majority of the population. And we are leaving out specific target groups, specific parts of our society, which is unfortunate because a lot of times those are the ones who need mobility the most. So if you think about people with disabilities, people who are too young, too old to drive, for example, people who don't want to drive, uh, they also exist in this world. Um, it is really important that we take the mobility needs of all of them into into the focus. And I think having more thoughts about inclusive mobility is quite interesting because, for example, a ramp not only helps people sitting in a wheelchair, but it also helps families who have a stroller or who have a lot of luggage, for example. If you have an app for blind people, it also has a lot of potential for people who are not fast readers or not speaking fluently or natively in the language. So you see that there are a lot of further benefits if you really start to think about more inclusive mobility. We'll continue our conversation with Nari Kale after this message. Driving the Future is a podcast about where the automotive industry is going and how not only to keep up with the rapidly changing business, but to shape it. Fueled by such factors as the climate crisis and the digital revolution, the automotive industry is changing. Whether we're talking about electric vehicles or the new customer experiences that digital technologies enable, whether it's transforming from being a manufacturer into an organization that provides mobility services, the map of the industry is being redrawn. Driving the Future has insights to help your organization shape the future of mobility. This season goes into such topics as electric-powered commercial vehicles, how to build strategic partnerships to increase innovation, and new omni-channel sales models. Subscribe now to the series on Capgemini, Spotify, and Apple channels, and let Capgemini help you drive the future you want. Have you seen any good examples of either cities or other areas that are taking on this challenge and are really finding a way to make sure that mobility is inclusive? Can you give us maybe a few examples of what's working? Yes, of course. I mean, the good news is there are a lot of great, I call them mobility revolutionaries, who are leading the path towards a better form of mobility. And I'm thinking, for example, about Kuiki, which is a Spanish um, social business, and they are considering the last mile problem. So whenever you have a delivery, um, especially in cities, you always have the problem of the last mile. And they want to tackle um, sustainability in two aspects. First of all, the ecological side. So they are only working with electric vehicles or going by foot. But the second part, which of course I'm looking at the social side of, of this form of a business model is that they are working together with people who would not receive a job offer somewhere else. So um, people with some form of migration or um, people with some form of disabilities, and they work together with those people providing them income and at the same time tackling the last mile problem in a sustainable way. And I think that is a perfect, since it is also a business model, they're working together with large uh, transportation um, systems. Um, it is also a profitable business and therefore they're really being able to tackle all three aspects. One other startup which I really like um, and is also 
working on inclusive mobility is called NaviLens, and they're working with QR codes, but they are not the regular QR codes that we know, quite small and black and white, but they are a little bit larger and in color. And those can be seen from even further away because normally you need to be quite close to the QR code. And those, it is fine if you are standing a couple of meters behind and it helps you to guide through very chaotic areas, for example, a very busy train station. And therefore people who are blind or people who are not from the region or coming from somewhere else are able to really find a good help throughout the busy train station. And I think those are just great examples, but there's so many more out there. What about the question of affordability that you touched on? Is there a chance that we will see a time where mobility is free for all? That is a very interesting point that you are raising because I have been looking a little bit into the topic and there are a couple of studies that show that when you make mobility for free, it has a negative effect because people don't really appear and come even though they have booked their seats or, or their fares or whatever. So um, it shows that people are very willing to pay towards mobility as long as it has a huge benefit, meaning that um, you are faster, it is more convenient, you are saving time or whatever. So mobility doesn't need to be completely for free. It just needs to be affordable and having value. That is maybe the first part. The second part um, that I think is quite interesting is for cities, there are, of course, more and more responsibilities and questions coming. Um, and at the moment, it is, I don't know if it's in other countries, all always the same, but at least in Germany or in Europe, you see a lot of scooter um, services in the city center. And it is quite unfortunate because you always have the same mobility options, the same mobility possibilities in the core city centers, but not always where you would really need it in the further areas outside of the city center. So now cities are having more and more the power to regulate that. So they can say, uh, maybe it is enough if I have three or four uh, scooter delivery and uh, scooter programs in the city center. And if there's a fifth one wanting to come, maybe I can give him an area, an assigned area, which is a little bit further away, where you really don't have as many mobility options as before. So I think that makes a lot of sense to really look at where is mobility really being needed in a city and try to find solutions to offer more and more where it's really being needed. Also wanted to ask you, in what ways does your day job at VW Group as the head of strategic programs at the Carryout software arm help you with your passion for mobility? How do those two worlds come together and complement one another? Well, sometimes it really feels very much connected. Sometimes I have also to say it feels a little bit further away. Um, I think the being at the Volkswagen Group, of course, helped me to really receive my fascination towards mobility. Um, it has not always been there in the beginning. I was a little bit more skeptical and I really found my passion to see how great mobility has an impact on people's lives. And I think that was exactly through my position at the Volkswagen Group. 
the second part is that right now, as I said before, I really believe we are working in an exciting industry at exciting times. And um, some people call it the largest transformation that there's ever been. Um, we don't really know how the future car, the future mobility will look like. But I think for me, it is quite exciting to be part of that, to be working towards the, hopefully a better mobility future for all of us and to really do my small contribution towards that. And if you could wave a magic wand, what would you love to see happen in five or 10 years when it comes to the mobility sector in the world? Well, I do have a wish list, I would say, Doug. So um, if I look at mobility for the future, for me, it would be important, first of all, to really think more about the human needs first. A lot of times we come from the starting point of technology, what is the new technological innovation, um, for example, autonomous driving or the drones, for example, or um, Hyperloop or all those new technological innovations that are out there. And it would be really great to combine that, to really think how can we improve more lives through this form of innovation? What is the form of mobility that people really need and who would profit from it most, um, maybe especially even those who have not been able to be independently mobile before. So that would be the first point to really put human needs into into the front. And the second part is also that I would love to see that the working conditions in mobility platform companies are not leading to worse working conditions um, because I'm really sure that mobility platforms will play an important part in the future. And you have already seen a little bit of signs that um, yeah, the, the working situations and the working conditions are not really being put into the center. And and I really hope that um, it will become some form of responsibility um, for the employers. That would be really great to see. And the third point that I would like to make is that I would like to see that mobility in the future is also keeping global justice in mind. And what I mean with that is if you look at electric vehicles, uh, the electronic mobility right now, we still have the question of where is the battery coming from, where are the resources coming from, how are those resources being gained, what does it mean and what is behind that. And it is, of course, quite important to be working towards the electric vehicle transformation right now. Um, and it is great if we are able to improve our climate um, statistics for it but let us just keep in mind that there's always a global perspective to it and that we will not forget about that well you've taken on an amazing challenge but it looks like you're you're making great steps in the right direction so nari thanks so much for joining us today for the automotive news europe podcast thank you so much Doug. it was an honor to be here we reached nari kale at her office in Wolfsburg. If you have an idea for a future podcast or would like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to me at dbolduck at autonews.com. For breaking news, please visit europe.autonews.com. You can listen to this podcast and a wide range of others from the Automotive News Group on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. 
or on our website at europe.autonews.com. That wraps up this episode of the Automotive News Europe podcast for December 2nd, 2021. I'm your host, Doug Bolduck, Managing Editor at a Thanks so much for spending time with us. We hope you'll tune in again soon.